0: All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Nick of Time podcast. We have four very special guests. And yes, I said four. This is a history in the making on the podcast. We have more than one guest. I'm gonna start off with Nick Rand. We have Will Jansen, Tommy Hester, and Chad Miller. These four guys are part of not only a nonprofit fight or die, but a movement. I like to, I, I like to I like to call it movement because it's it's a lifestyle, it's a mindset. And uh, these guys are doing something great, like rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. Who does that? Um, very few people that I know. And it happens to be these four guys right here. So uh, what that consists of is 3,000 miles rowing across the Atlantic Ocean, like I said, from Spain to Antigua, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know where that's at, but we'll get into that. Uh, basically, to raise uh, awareness uh, on veterans' mental health, uh should be get, beginning sometime in December in 2022. So they're gearing up for this. They still got some time. And uh, yeah, so I guess we could start off with Nick, you know, introductions, if you want to give a little tidbit about yourself.
1: Sure, man. Um, my name is Nick Ron. Uh, I'm the founder of Warriors Next Adventure. Uh, it's a nonprofit that I started back in 2019 to help veterans with suicide prevention and crisis intervention. Um, we continue to evolve. We have a wolf sanctuary in Minnesota. We take, vets to go play the wolves. We have a race car. It's a Saturn ion. Don't get excited. Um, we, uh, we climb mountains. We're about to climb uh, Mount massive in Colorado in about two weeks. And, uh, Tommy and Chad are my ambassadors and will is my board member. And I just so happened to interview Bryant Knight, Who's the founder of fight or die on my podcast. And Chad wouldn't shut the fuck up about it and kept talking <laughs> about it and eventually talked us all into doing it um so yeah that's kind of how fight or die and Warriors next adventure came together so good times yeah, you love you love to hear it all right will you want to give us a
0: little tidbit about yourself
2: yeah man uh i live in a little town in northwestern wisconsin um i'm uh i got a woodworking shop i own a campground i do land development uh been married for 18 years got two awesome girls, 17 and 14. And uh, yeah, I'm. I, we reconnected, Nick and I reconnected last year and uh, we did some cool adventure stuff and hadn't seen Chad since 2009, since we left Seymour Johnson in North Carolina. So, and I got to meet Tommy a couple weeks ago when we all got together. So, yeah. That's awesome. Love to hear it. So Tommy, tell us your
3: story. Well, I won't tell you the whole thing,
0: yeah,
3: <laughs> no, uh, Right now, I'm living in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I live here with my wife and our 11-year-old son. I've been married just about 12 years. Um, I'm a swimming pool and spa technician now. But holy shit, have I done a lot of different things since getting out <laughs> of security forces. Um, I was I served with these guys in 2008 in Kampuka, Iraq. That's how we uh, all got to know each other. Except for Will, he was there at the same time, but he was doing detainee ops. God bless his soul for that. Bruce. Um, so <laughs> I went and climbed Mount Elbert with Warriors Next Adventure last year. So I've been kind of staying in touch with Nick through that. And then once Chad became an ambassador too, and then listened to that podcast and then asked me to row a boat across the ocean, all I asked <laughs> is how big's the boat? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, a, a very interesting
0: question. I love it. And uh, lastly, Chad, by the way, Chad is the one that reached out to me um, and he's the reason for all this. And uh, I appreciate that. Chad, a little tidbit about yourself. Um, I'm still um, one of the, well, the only one on this team
4: that's actually still uh, technically part of the Air Force right now. I'm in the uh, reserves up in Niagara Falls, Buffalo, uh, married with three kids. I got an eight year old son, and a five year old daughter and a three year old daughter. And, yeah, I uh, met Nick and Tommy. I met Nick in uh, tech school. We were in the same tech school team. We got to our first duty station with Seymour. We deployed four times out of there, roomed together, I think, two or three that we actually roomed together. And uh, met up with Tommy and Balad, or Abuka, in 2008, like he said. And we ran uh, all in the same convoy, Scorpion 15. So it was good times. And uh, Will was actually one of our guys on, uh, he worked the shift with me. So it's kind of cool. But then, uh, like Nick said, uh, I teamed up with him after hitting a, uh, a substantial low point in my life. I reached out to Nick and uh, he started talking about Warriors Next Adventure. I said, let's, uh, let's see what it's about. I got linked up with him and uh, found out Tommy and Will were back in the mix with it. I uh, climbed a mountain, uh, Mount Marcy in New York. The following year, I took a vet team myself up there four warriors next adventure and then uh heard him on a podcast with some guy named bryant talking about ocean rowing and uh i went and watched the video i watched the promo and i think it was the same promo that i sent you and after yes. watching that promo i uh i get to the end of that video i see the dude pop the flare i see the look in his eyes and i uh says to the wife i said hey uh wanna row an ocean she was uh i don't know if she thought it was serious at first until like the third time of telling her and then it kind of went from there. And, uh, so I applied, uh, got a message back from Bryant and the guys at fight or die saying, Hey, you know, if you have a full team, you're almost a shoe in. As long as your team, we we approve your team. So that's when I reached out to Nick and, uh, coerced him into, uh, being a good friend and reminding him of all the good times we had before and how we wanted to expand on those. And then, uh, just so happens that Tommy and Will were on the top of my list and, also, the same people that uh, Nick wanted to bring them on board. So we reached out to them, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much uh, history from there. The conversations leading up to us getting on the team of how we talked to each other about how this was going to all play out it, uh, worked in many different ways. But I, uh, I used the Warriors Next Adventure slogan against Nick, and from there, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. It was when, you, uh, when, you, when you run a nonprofit, and your, your slogan is explore everything. And your ambassador wants to row an ocean. What do you think he's going to use against you? You
1: You're an asshole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of running nonprofits, so I know obviously, you know, we want to talk about rowing and the ocean and stuff. We're definitely going to get to that. But this is probably going to be the first time in the podcast and the only time where I, I don't direct anything, I guess I would say. But whoever wants to answer this first You know, whoever thinks they should answer this first. And if y'all want to answer, that'd be even better. What do you believe service is to you? Like when you hear the word service, because I know just by the tidbits of, you know, where you guys come from a little bit about yourselves, I understand that the service never stops. You know what I mean? All prior military, Chad's still serving. And then now rowing the ocean, like all this like ties into play. And you could tell that it really is a lifestyle. It's not just something that, you know, we do here, we do there. It's our job. You know, you, you go home with that. So um, whoever would like to answer that, please. Lights. Guys, let me take
3: that one.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Tommy.
3: Service to me is 100% giving yourself to something bigger than you. You know, you can serve your country like we all have or still are. Or you can serve your God, you can serve your family, in your mind, whatever is bigger to bigger than you and what you're capable of doing. But putting your all towards that, that service, that's good service. McDonald's employees should listen to that shit. That was deep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's beautiful, though, because I think, I think sometimes we forget, you know, that's that entails many different things and especially as prior armed forces members you know people can really like put you in this bubble of like this is what I am kind of like athletes and to say like oh you're an athlete like you know shut up and like you know play ball whatever the case may be it's like no like that's still part of you but you're more than that it's it's your character it's your truth it's who do you who you are and I know um just doing my research doing my backstory the whole like defining yourself as a veteran be proud obviously you know always always hold that but you guys are in a different light now obviously chad you're still serving but that service has transformed into maybe even something bigger than in the past not 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 to diminish any of that you know what i mean but if any of you want to touch on that yeah one of, can,
1: one of the you know things mean? i tell veterans very often is we don't have to identify as veterans Like, it's cool to be a veteran. Yeah, I'm proud of being a veteran. Like, I'm not turning down or putting down being a veteran at all, right? But I don't identify as a veteran anymore. I identify as Nick, you know, founder of Warriors Next Adventure. I'm the guy that people can reach out to in their darkest days, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help pull them out of it. That's who I am now, right? I don't identify as a veteran. I just happen to be a veteran. And I think there's too many people who get out of the military and they cling on to that. And that is their only definition of who they are. But it's like, well, what else are you going to do with your life? Right? Yeah. We, we did some amazing things when we were in the military, you know, like, like Chad said, me and him deployed four times together. I was a 50 cal gunner on, you know, uh, in Afghanistan and in Iraq. And then, uh, we did like law enforcement stuff in Iraq in 2009, 2010. And, uh, Horrible deployment to Qatar in 2007. It was rough, man. But no, so it's there's a lot of cool things that we did while we were in the military. But life doesn't end when you get out of the military. And I think there's too many people who focus on the past rather than focusing on what their future could be. And so one of the things I try to do with WNA is to help veterans realize that hey, listen, there's something beyond the military, right? Who are you? Who are you going to define yourself as? Right. And, you know, you were talking about service. Um, You ever read the five love languages? Yes, I have. So so acts of service is my number one, of course. Um, And I need to feed that. And if I'm not feeding that, I feel like I don't have a purpose. Right. So I, I had a lot of different things happen in my past that kind of led me to where I'm at. And I'm thankful that they all worked in unison to get me to where I am now, because now that I've found my purpose and know who I want to be, who I am and who I'm going to be five years from now, you know, if that's, that's the most rewarding thing you can do for yourself is know what your purpose is. You live with purpose. Your life will be amazing. For sure.
0: So I got a question for Tommy, uh, you know, piggybacking off of purpose when you, when you talk about, cause I have supervisors that are getting ready to retire and I also have you know, peers that are getting ready to separate. Can you talk about your purpose as far as when you were serving compared to now? Because it's still, you know, under that same blanket. You're serving, you're, you're caring for people, you're trying to make this world a better place. But how does that transition change between, hey, you know, we're in Iraq to, hey, now we're about to roll across the ocean? <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Well, it takes a crazy motherfucker to do some crazy shit that we're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes a crazy motherfucker to sign up for active duty security forces 2006. So I think we kind of translate into each other pretty evenly there. You know, the things I did in the military have gotten me ready to do some amazing things. But I'm like, Nick, I don't identify as a veteran. I don't, hey, Tommy to for former Air Force security forces, it's not how I introduce myself. The things I do build my character and the character that you have being a veteran, I mean, you develop that either before basic training or shortly into basic training, get some discipline, get some character traits, it'll take you big long places and big <laughs> great things. So now that, you know, I'm in my 30s, the Air Force for me was a long time ago. And the Air Force now is a much different organization, I think, than it was when I got out. And the help's just not there for the guys that are getting out. And that's not just the ones that have, you know, PTSD from deployments or TBIs or any other things that are just going on with them. There's no transitional help. So, I know when I got out, it was kind of just here's your DD 214. See ya. And kind of same for me. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult. So, missing the camaraderie was huge. So, being able to work with organizations like Fight or Die and Warriors Next Adventure, I get to put my face on doing awesome shit that other people hopefully want to emulate doing. For sure.
0: Awesome. So now, um, obviously, like I said, we're getting we're getting to the to the nitty gritty as far as the actual rowing. But I wanted to bring up mental health. So if I uh, will, if you wanted to uh, express to me, you know, when you talk about mental health, as far as in the military, out of the military, what that means to you. And the reason why I'm just trying to extract some of some of these feelings. So when we start talking about this rowing to the audience out there, the people watching all this stuff, you know, basically set literally set sail of of where, where this comes from. Cause I believe nothing comes from nothing. You know what I mean? Obviously everything has a reaction. So uh Will, if you want to uh touch on just mental health and what these guys, you know, on this podcast have done, uh not only for yours, but just, you know, your life and, and your family and your life at home.
2: Yeah, I as far as mental health goes we all struggle with it. Right. And when you're in your mid twenties, when you get out of the air force, you're like this hardcore dude. Right. And you don't want to talk about your feelings. Right. Like it's just not something 20 mid 20 year old guys do. And so for me, I've learned, you got to talk to somebody about it, you know, and the role, obviously the role, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about (laughs) our feelings. Right. Like we're going to have days and days and days to talk about it. But, um, like as far as uh you know, in the past couple of years, there's just stuff that I've found people in my life that relate to the things that I gone through. And you know, those are the guys you gotta find and talk to, you know, and, and you, you gotta talk about it. Like I don't care how badass you are, you gotta talk about it. That's what I found.
0: Uh yes, I love to hear it. And I think um one thing i always tell people especially since i've started this podcast especially as men you know but everyone has the issue is you know being vulnerable Mm -hmm. so i think if you make yourself vulnerable you give yourself that power to say like hey i'm not okay but that is okay you know Mm -hmm. but i feel like a lot of times as, as human beings especially as alpha males you know we try to we try to say if i'm not okay then the world is just you know hell froze over and then that, that, that down spirals into a lot of things. So, Chad, if you want to talk about um, being vulnerable and what that means to you, because I know you, you've gone through some experiences that, that have really struck you in major ways. Right. And uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the phone. I talked about it a little bit with
4: uh, with Dylan Sessler, the guy who wrote the book uh, Defy the Darkness and say uh, if you haven't read that book yet. I would suggest anyone to go get that book. It is a powerful book. I I read the book within a matter of 24, 24 hours. I read the book. I did a podcast with Dylan and uh, that's by the first time where I've actually sat down and broke down my mental health game of where I was. Um, being vulnerable used to be a thing like growing up. It was, I never saw, I mean, I saw my dad get emotional at times, but it was never anything. It was never anything like he would just open up. My dad was kind of like, he would come out and he would tell you, hey, I love you, stuff like that. But it was never like any of his stuff would never flood out. He kept his problems to himself kind of thing. And then when I left for the military, you know, that's what they expect of you. They expect you to, you're tough. Like Will said, you, you kind of, you get in there and they harden you up and they're ready, ready to go. And then once we got there, it was back to back to back deployments. And, you know, I was my first day of actual flight at Seymour Johnson. I had already been deployed twice. So when I get to flight and I've already had two deployments under my belt and the second was a 50 cal gunner for convoys, you know, you just, you feel untouchable. But that, that kind of shifted gears for me personally. Um, when I went through some personal stuff, when I was in Ballad in 2009 and I was going through it, I was in a little bit of trouble. I was actually rooming with Nick at the time, but I got myself in a little bit of heat with the air force. And I talked to a chaplain and the chaplain kind of. Not the chaplain you want to see, not the ones I've dealt with in the past or in the, after this, but uh, pretty much gave me the hey, you know, life sucks, and uh, it's too bad you've done some bad things because you seem like a good person. And my parents, little backstory: my parents were both pastors growing up, like my first ten years of life. So when you start telling me stuff like, hey, you've done you've done unforgivable things, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, it's not that bad of stuff. It kind of messes with your head, especially when you're away from home dealing with personal stuff. And uh, I found myself secluding myself. And I think Nick had just actually witnessed a responding to a suicide in Balad uh, a couple of days before. So he was quiet. So I didn't talk to him. And I found myself sitting in a portage on outside of J-Doc in Balad with my pistol. And I had just called my mom and my younger brother. And I, it sucks to say it every time I say it. But I actually called them both and apologized for being a shitty son and a shitty brother. And, you know, to do that and to make through both calls and still feel that way is unbelievable. And I had a guy that just happened to step out of j and notice something was wrong and talk to me. And within a matter of seconds, it would have been a completely different outcome. So, I mean, that wasn't the end of my struggles. That was about the time I realized that it's okay to talk to people. And then 2018 was when I reached out to Nick, and because I was going through a rough patch with a business that I opened, that was a bad business venture. And I reached out to Nick, and he was one of the first things he told me was, you know, it's okay to admit that there's shit going on in your life. And uh, he started telling me about Warriors' next adventure. I went out for my first hike that they did at Mount Marcy up in New York, and I'll tell you what, the the feeling of being out there with all the guys, like I got out, went reserves but I still never had that. It's not a, the same. It's not the camaraderie. It's not the same. So hiking a mountain with a bunch of random military vets talking shit to each other for hours, went up a hill was the camaraderie was back and I felt a, a powerful change to that. And that's kind of when I shifted to where I, I came on board with Nick and the guys. And, uh, ever since then, it's kind of been stuff that I usually would have never talked about is now in the open because it's like, I got no problem. You ask me, hey, if you struggled, it's okay to be vulnerable. I tell you, I struggle. Next time you come up with a struggle, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, damn, I remember I did a podcast with this guy who was in the same position and struggling, and he found himself in the bottom and worked his way up. Let me give him a call and just, just to shoot the shit. Doesn't have to be anything important. Just call me to shoot the shit. And then if you want to say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Hey, dude, I'll sit there in the trenches with you all day long. That's not a problem with me. I have nothing but time when it comes for vets and for people I've served with and people who have served. And anyone who's struggling, I have no problem with that. That's where vulnerability for me, that's where it kind of stepped up was experiencing my own stuff and having, like Will said, the right people at the right time. I think every one of us probably would have had, if we would have had the wrong people those times, we would have probably had different outcomes to where we're at.
0: For sure. And I think, I think sometimes a conversation is all it takes, you know, because a mm-hmm. conversation... Literally, you can physically, not as well as mentally, feel the weight come off, right? Especially as, as oh, men, yeah. because because you try to like, you try to internalize and control the situation. But all these issues, you know that you know, Chad, Nick, Tommy. Well, I'm sure y'all all had. We try to control it so much that that's when we realize, hey, it's not it's not in our control. So then we down spiral, you know. Mm-hmm instead of instead of just taking it for what it is and saying like hey i'm not okay but that's okay i know that's just like a cliche phrase but it is okay to not be okay and uh i appreciate you know telling us that story nick i know you have um a similar experience i don't know if you want to touch on that or not but uh if you do i'd appreciate it just because i know people need to realize it's not just everybody you know like one person out of four like Everybody has their struggles and we all go through it. So if you want to uh, give us a little backstory on your story, yeah. Nick.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so two two 2010, like Chad was saying, I was in blood and I was base security that day. And we got a phone call for shots fired on base and we didn't know what it was, it was a potential suicide. And so I got to base housing and uh, I ran inside the room and uh, an army guy had gotten dressed for work, laid down in his bed and shot himself to the bottom of the chin to the top of the head with an M16. And uh, the problem was he was still alive when I got in the room. Um, I ran over to him and I mean, what do you do in a situation like that? You know? So I just put my hand on his chest, told him everything was going to be okay. And he grabbed my hand. I still feel his hand grab my fingers in the middle of the night. Sometimes it's kind of strange. Um, And I just sat there with him until he died. And I, I didn't really know what to do. And I kind of just shut down. Um, it didn't affect me at the time cause I shut down and I blocked every single emotion and I just went and did what I normally do. And I went to the gym and trained jujitsu and choked people out and I felt better, um, thinking that it was over. Uh, but it just, it continued to fester and it just got worse as the years went by. Um, I ended up getting out of the military in 2012 and things were not good for me. Um, I found out that Jody had been hanging around after my last deployment. And, uh, I said, fuck it. And, uh, moved back to Minnesota <clears throat> Ended up getting back together with my ex because she was pregnant with my second kid. And I figured that would be the right thing to do. Um, but that was not the right thing to do. Um, got to the point where I just hated my life. I was a bouncer downtown Minneapolis and, uh, I got into some recreational drugs, um, cocaine and drinking pretty much every single night, beating the shit out of people. And just, I was just a huge piece of shit. Um, I absolutely hated myself mainly because, you know, like, yeah, it was fun. I had a good time, but at the same time, I started cheating and started just being the worst fucking person that I never wanted to be. I always wanted to be a good family person. You know, me and my ex had been together for seven years when I found out she had cheated on me. So like, I thought like my whole world was crumbling um but i i tried multiple times to get it back together and uh 2016 or 2015 comes around and just again everything's just kicking my ass i was full-blown alcoholic i was drinking probably a bottle of jameson a day if not every other day um i had a couple hiding spots in my house that nobody knew about i had a boat in my garage i had a hidden compartment in my boat where i kept all my liquor um i was a very good alcoholic and uh got to the point where I found out my ex had been cheating on me again and uh that was just it like at the time I hated my kids I had two kids and I was just a piece of shit and I hated them I didn't want to be around them um I spent most of my nights in the garage or I'd be gone just by myself in the middle of nowhere and I said fuck it and I decided I was going to go up to the boundary waters and uh, I put a nine millimeter in my head and I pulled the trigger uh but lucky for me the round didn't go off so when I dropped the magazine, I pulled the slide back, I looked at the bullet, the the primer was struck, but the primer was a dud. And I remember being so fucking pissed that I couldn't even fucking kill myself. I can just, everything I do is fucking wrong. So I decided at that point, you know what, I'm fucking tired of letting my past control me. And so I'm going to start controlling myself. And so I decided that I was going to create the person who could have pulled that gun out of my head because I didn't think that person existed. I didn't give myself a time frame or anything like that, but I just decided that I didn't want to be a piece of shit anymore. I didn't want to feel like shit. I didn't want to feel terrible. I just, I was so tired of being the person I never wanted to be. And uh, two years later, I was a nine-one-one dispatcher for the Minnesota state patrol. So I'm trained in crisis intervention and suicide prevention. So it's something I'm very good at. Um, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that I've I've had a lot of training in it and we have a very good record with warriors next adventure. Uh, that's for me though. Nobody else needs to know how many it is. Um, so let's just say we've never lost one. Um, I got a phone call and it was a nine one call and the lady said that she was going to kill herself. So we have GPS on the cell phones, but we also have cameras. So she popped up right next to a camera. I pulled her up on camera and she was standing on the bridge, getting ready to jump. So we started to talk. And uh, relatability is the most important thing you can do. Anybody's dealing with anybody who may be suicidal. The first thing you can do, find something that you guys relate to, because once you guys have relatability, they trust you. And so trying to gain her trust, I found out she was a veteran. I'm like, perfect. I was like, I'm a veteran, too. And I asked her, like, what would you do in the military? She's like, I was in the army and I was raped in the military, but I never said anything. And I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, why would you never report this? And so we kept going talking. A few minutes go by and she takes a step forward like she's going to jump. I'm like, wait. So now this was 2017. In two years, I'd never told anybody that I had tried to kill myself. I kept that to myself and I buried it like many other things I do. I bury everything. And uh, I told her, I was like, listen, before you go, can I just tell you something I've never told anybody else? 2015, I was at that same point And I just wanted to die. I didn't want to be alive anymore. I was fucking tired of living and I put a gun to my head and I pulled the trigger and I've been trying to figure out why am I still alive for so many years now? And I think this might be it. Maybe it's to talk you out of this. And so she ended up getting down and that was the first time at work I'd ever gotten emotional. I broke down in tears. I dropped my headset. I ran in the back room I was like, I need a fucking minute. And, uh, that kind of got the ball rolling to me thinking, like, you know what? I think I, I can do something with this. You know, working as a dispatcher is not enough. And uh, Michael, the guy who had killed himself in Iraq, um, a part of my issues uh, with, like, PTSD, I see him almost every night. Um, I have a lot of flashbacks. And uh, some nights I think it's real. Sometimes, like, I know I'm just dreaming. And it's kind of like uh, what they call it, lucid dreaming. It's really strange. Yes. Um, but I started to like, ask him, like, why do you keep coming to me? So Tony Robbins gives a speech and he talks about, um, the reason why certain things affect us in certain ways is because of the meaning that we assign to it. And so I started to get to the point where I was having panic attacks and I, I was sleeping really bad. I have a hole in my heart now because of so much fucking stress. And, uh, I decided to give a meaning to why I constantly see Michael. And then Warriors Next Dimension was born. I was like, you know what? I've done, I've talked to multiple people out of suicide at my job. It's my job and I'm very good at it. But I also have a connection with military members that most counselors and, you know, uh, therapists don't. So I'm going to create a nonprofit and I'm going to figure out how I can help veterans with suicide prevention. And it just kept evolving and kept evolving. And then next thing you know, you know, Chad asked me to roll a boat across the ocean for another organization. It's just crazy the way things work.
0: For sure. No,
1: that's a beautiful story. And I appreciate you sharing.
0: I think back to what I said earlier about everything has a reaction. 2020 was, you know, a terrible year for me. Uh, Even leading up to the beginning of this year, I was going through some things, struggling in my own head. I had a panic attack for the first time ever while I was sleeping. And uh, usually I'm a pretty hard sleeper. So like nothing ever like like bothers me in my sleep, but when I woke up, I was, I was, I was baffled. I didn't know what to do. I could barely breathe. And uh for the first time ever since I've been in, it was a short amount of time, I am coming up shy, six, five and a half. I talked to a chaplain and uh shout out to my chaplain. He's uh he's a real dude. And all we did was sit and talk. And I literally just kept talking. I was like, you just sit there, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have to say anything, don't do anything, just sit there. <laughs> but I, I love to hear these stories because that reaction, I know where this where this role is coming from and it's coming from deeper than something challenging. You know, like we can all go do a challenge. Hey, this is coming from within and all those sacrifices and all those heartaches and even the good times, you know, all that, all that fused in together, you know, creates a great team like this so we can get into the whole actual rowing part. Will, I want to start with you because you're the navigator. I I I can I can do it because <laughs> I suck at land nav. I couldn't even imagine in the middle of the ocean. You know what I mean? That's just me being honest. I try to shoot my asthma, and I'll and I'll I'll
2: I'll, I'll get it done, but it's yeah. gonna be a little sloppy. So yeah, if you wanna so we got, we got elaborate, couple, yeah, we got a couple of GPS systems um, hooked up to the boat, you know. So there, there's always a backup. Um, we also have an auto helm so GPS is actually connected to the rudder and so we actually don't have to have somebody steering for us all the time like the we just got to worry about rowing and the GPS auto corrects the rudder and sends us on our way. And we got yeah, the start awesome. navigation too so. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it so it's not so it's not as bad you would
0: say. No 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 not, not as bad all right Tommy you're next the engineer. Tell me a little bit about that. What goes into being the engineer?
3: Something's going to break. Um, (laughs) Probably that precious rudder Will was just telling you about. Um, The water maker, you know, you need water while you're out there. Those are notorious for just going bad or breaking. One little tiny O-ring in that thing, and you got to take the whole thing apart, figure out what the problem was, and fix it. Meanwhile, you're, you know, 1800 miles away from land in any direction <laughs> so <laughs> that's my no, job I, if it breaks geez. or anything goes wrong out there with the boat itself i will be able to fix it and keep us going let's just hope it's nothing too severe like a hole in the boat or something because that is known to happen yeah Flights i feel are- that
0: let's <laughs> so, throw tape. some uh gorilla tape yeah <laughs> gorilla tape you'll be all right okay <laughs> all right chad quartermaster tell me about it so
4: so right now i mean i'm sure there's a lot more i'm going to learn in this uh in the training next year we're going to be doing uh three individual weeks of training um the 21 team that's going up this year is actually doing theirs right now they're doing one in july one in august one in september where they're up the boat um, primarily my job has been up to this point since I was the one that got us all hooked on this, uh, crazy adventure is, I've uh, been taking care of a lot of the, a lot of the paperwork, a lot of the forms and stuff like that. Um, I know we get over to Lagomera, we're going to be doing a nice little bag drag with all of our stuff with the Atlanta campaign. They're going to come out and inspect everything we have. Um, and my job will be to make sure everything is laid out for inspection. The boat will be inspected. The boat, there'll be multiple walkthroughs a couple of days in a row to make sure that we have everything we need uh, morning of the race day and they will sign off on everything. And I'm pretty much going to be doing whatever I can and whatever else they tell me this job implies or entails, but I'm going to be assisting Tommy with the water makers, assisting Will with some of the navigation stuff. And, uh, of course I'll be assisting with some of the rowing, maybe a couple hours a day, possibly, <laughs> but, but to break it down a little bit more before you get to, to Nick, uh, for as far as, uh, the fight or die side, I know that a lot of, uh, I know we talked a lot about the WNA stuff, but the uh, so Fight or Die is uh, as we reached out to them and uh, we first got the notification, I started reaching out to Tommy and those guys are telling them, hey, like this is where this is what we're into. Nick talked to them a little bit and they kind of broke down their mission. Um, Fight or Die is actually a nonprofit. It was out of Colorado and they just moved base station to Alabama. But the uh, they got a two-fold mission. It's kind of the What's what got me hooked was the ocean rowing, which is the flagship. But the the primary mission of Fighter Die is to uh, create a safety nets for you know mental health throughout communities to kind of help vets. It's expanding the help of the veterans in other areas, and then of course you know the uh, the flagship of the three thousand mile ocean row with all American, all U.S. military four person team. So there's a uh, there's a lot involved other than just the ocean rowing that's kind of like the flagship of what they do and that's what kind of got me hooked on at first but uh yeah the uh as far as the quartermaster stuff i've been doing a lot of the uh the bereavement forms of saying like hey you know we might die like make sure tommy's tommy's (laughs) wife knows that he has life insurance (laughs) (laughs) yeah all the all the all the fun stuff that i uh that i get to fill out so
3: no,
0: for sure. I understand. So, Nick, as the captain um, of this vessel, you, uh, I would assume, are basically, you know, the overseer, making sure everything's good, making sure everything's right. Do you, in a sense, learn
1: everybody else's job to a T or just enough? Well, we'll have we'll have training next year um, and they'll train us, they'll cross train us and everything. I'm also the, I'm also the medic. Um so I, I was a first responder before I was working with the state patrol. So it just makes sense for me to be the medic as well. Um, the captain, believe it or not, doesn't really have a lot of responsibility. Um, like the navigator, we need to know where we're going. The engineer, we need to make sure our boat works. And the quartermaster, we need to make sure we have all our shit, right? But one of the most important things about this row isn't the equipment, isn't the gear. It, it's, it's the mindset. You need to have a positive mindset when you're doing this, because if you if you attempt to do something crazy like this, like real fucking boat, 3000 miles, you you need to be in the right mindset. If somebody's not doing okay, that needs to be fucking addressed right away. And we figured with what I do with Warriors Next Adventure, it just makes sense for me to be the captain, Um, mainly because they already took everything else. There was nothing else left um but no so my my goal is to motivate my goal is to is to make sure these guys are good to go make sure these guys are good to go mentally physically spiritually um <clears throat> we need to make sure that we uh, have a bottle of talisker whiskey on us so when we cross harbor we can actually uh, crack a bottle <laughs> maybe on new year's and christmas um but no so my my goal is to essentially be the backup you know whatever these guys need help with i'm gonna help with um we got an issue with the engineer. I'm going to help with the engineer stuff. You know, Chad, Chad, I think you're the alternate, right? The alternate engineer. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to be honest, man, like Chad has made all of this super easy because once Chad came to me with this, I was like, I'm trying to run a full organization and Chad Tommy and will are my, you know, essentially my main fundraisers. So I'm like, you know, why don't you guys focus on fight or die and make sure we get this shit to the point where we're going to knock this shit out of the water. Right. And uh, Chad went on and got a, uh, a title sponsor with West Her, uh automotive dealership over in uh, Western New York paid for the full uh, paid for the, the full sponsorship. So we're completely covered. We're still raising money because we need money to get overseas. We need money for uh, the, the gear for registration everything like that. So to be honest, Chad has made this so easy for all of us, and uh, we appreciate it. You're the excellent yeah. thing to do. <laughs> I know, huh? It's kind of my
4: fault. So I got to out of to responsibility to the team. So
0: <laughs> shout out to Wesher Automotive out of Buffalo. So going into the next topic, uh, my next question, and we could just go back around, we'll start with Will again. What is your biggest fear doing this role? And when I say that, I'm not talking about the fear that makes you wimp. I'm talking about that fear that's good, right, that gets you motivated, that gets you going. Is there anything um, you think this journey uh, is going to entail when it comes to that?
2: Uh, Man, like as far as like plain old phobias, like I'm a really sucky swimmer, right? (laughs) And so (laughs) that's really what you're telling us, Will. Yeah, it's really irrelevant. <laughs> like um, so if we capsize or whatever, you know, you're, you're done anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, but fear for me is gosh, I'm so excited to do this. But at the end of it, what's next? Like, and I, I guess that's how I look, right? Like, we do this great, big, awesome thing. But then what's next? Right. And I'm afraid of the letdown after we pop that flare and we get home and I'm sitting on my couch, man, I'm gonna be like, all right, that was cool. What now? (laughs) No, no, for sure. Cause I was, I was thinking about that. Cause you know,
0: um, I don't know if you guys watch, um, sports at all, but like the NBA finals. Right. And I, I usually watch them and I keep up with them, but I didn't keep up with them like I should this year. And I did end up watching like like after halftime, so the last half of the last game, right? And you can tell, like, the Bucs were kind of in control and they were going to win the game. And then right before they win, I was thinking about it and I was like, this is the peak, you know, because, yes, you're going to celebrate, you're going to have the parades, all that, but th- right now, right before it hits zero, you're at this peak, and then it's only going to go down to the next year. And now you got to re-up and, and, and do something even bigger, even better, and so I understand that. So that that's a uh, super genuine, Tommy. Give me a good fear, a good fear of yours that's going to keep you
3: motivated on this on this row. Well, thanks to Will's answer, I have a new fear. <laughs> I <laughs> thought of that. I don't have a hundred million to go to the space. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I I'm not too scared there's not a whole lot of fear the the fear of failing the feel the the fear of leaving something out there you know but i don't think i'm even going to get to that point we we have no idea the four of us what is going to happen night 22 when we're halfway fucking home and it is pitch black outside we have no idea what that's going to be like so although that is terrifying you know we know it's going to be pitch black we know we might be in 10 foot swells at that point the boat might roll over we know these things but until we experience it I don't think any of us really have any idea of what to be scared of so just put that aside I am so excited to pop flares in Antigua and have my family (laughs) waiting for me at the (laughs) line that the fear, the things that are scary are just so much more exciting because I get to experience those. For sure. Before we get to you, Chad, I just want
0: to say I actually myself was thinking, okay, if I had four people, do I even know three other people that would that and the answer was yes. But the reason why I think this is so special is because they're, they're not connected in any way. Right. So the fact that you guys are able to connect this and make it you know, reality is super special. And that's why I'm here for it. It's still an honor. Like I said, I can't say that enough. Uh, you guys rock. So Chad, when it comes to that biggest fear, and I just want to reiterate, fear is some sometimes it's a good thing. I'm talking about that fear that's going to say we're, we're making it. You know what I mean? I don't care. I don't care what I have to do. Right. We're, getting, we're getting to the other side.
4: Right. I had to make sure I was unmuted there for a second. Um, I think for me, I think for me, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns and stuff like that when it comes to it. I think the biggest thing that is going to push me as far as the fear aspect is going to be, um, when we get past, everyone says you get to day seven and you're doing two hour shifts is how we're going to row it. Two hours on, two hours off. That's 12 hours of rowing a day. So by day seven of us sitting in this small little boat together, you know, shitting in a bucket two of us are rowing for 12 hours a day and we're they say by day 7 you are completely mentally and physically broken i've never pushed myself to that point but at the same time i think when you're when we're coming down to a positive way to pitch the fear is i dragged three guys and i wouldn't say i dragged them to be honest with you i think that's kind of a i think it's kind of a, a stupid way to put it i don't think i dragged these guys these guys i fed them my passion they found their own purpose and their own reason for doing this And they all we all believe in the veterans mental health cause and why we're doing what we're doing. But my fear would be that would keep me going is the fact that I drag three idiots out into a boat in the ocean. And when it comes down to it, my body is beat. My mind is beat. I'm going to replay that. That's going to be the one thing. The one piece of fear I keep replaying is I don't think I can keep growing like I need a break. And I'll keep saying, no, man, I drug these guys out here. I'm giving them 110% because I'm not failing them because I was the asshole that started this and I'm going to be the asshole that stays on the oars. So I think, I think when it comes to positive fear, I think I'm going to use that as a positive fear. And Tommy's laughing at me right now because he knows that I (laughs) drug him longer. You're muted, Tommy. You are muted.
3: If your inner voice, if your inner voice ever has a hard time saying that, just know there's three dudes on that boat letting you never forget.
4: Oh, I'm, well, I'm sure it's going to come out. I'm sure it's definitely come out. But that's definitely uh, knowing knowing that the whole process got started because I uh, I watched that video and I saw that look in their eyes and I was like, hey, I, I cannot. I told my wife, I said, I cannot let this opportunity pass me up knowing that I see this look in their eyes when they pop this flare, I got to know what it feels like. And then I kind of feel the same way Will does. Like once I finish this, like I joked with the wife the other day about, oh, we just started the Pacific run up. She was like, no, this is a one-time thing. <laughs> but she knows. Yeah,
0: She knows yeah, just exactly. as well as
4: Will's wife does, as Tommy's wife does, as Nick's girlfriend does. They all know that this is kind of what we do. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. we are
4: rowing this boat to prove to everyone that's been down and out that, hey, you've been down and out, but you're talking to a couple guys that have been in the bottom and didn't think they were coming back up are now rolling 3000 miles. So that's all going to be played in my mind the whole time of, I'm not letting these guys down
0: because I drug them in there. For sure. I can totally relate. Now, obviously I'm not rolling across the ocean, but once you get that itch, I, 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 yeah, exactly. (laughs) Once you get that itch, I'm telling you, yep. It's definitely, it's definitely hard to, to, to get it off. So Nick, Biggest fear, motivation. That fear, that good fear, that's going to get you across to the other side. Give
1: it to me. So, a lot of people don't realize um, horses originated in Spain, and I just can't wait to get the fuck away from Spain because fuck horses, horses, (laughs) terrifying. Um, so that's probably my only fear, horses. (laughs) No, hey. (laughs) <laughs> People think I'm joking, I'm serious fuck horses. Um, so <laughs> I'd say the the main drive for me is I have a little girl at home who thinks I'm fucking Superman, you know and if I go out there and I don't make it back on the boat because I'm you know I'm not thinking about dying, but if I don't make it back on that boat with my fucking three crewmates, I'll forever let her down, you know, but it's not just her. It's, it's the boys in the boat too. You know, it's, I personally with my nonprofit put myself responsible for other veterans lives because that serves my purpose because helping other people see that the future is bright if they want it to be, that's the best thing in the world. You know, having a conversation with somebody and uh, just getting them to see that the, the, the past doesn't have to control us anymore. Future does right. The only thing that matters in life is what you're doing today, what are you doing tomorrow? And so I keep thinking about that constantly every time this row comes into play because the last thing I'm ever gonna do is let down another veteran. And so I sure as hell am not gonna puss out on this row. So it's it's the drive of other veterans, but it, it's at the same time the whole point of what we do with warriors next adventure and uh, with fight or die is to inspire other veterans to do great things. Um, Will, I'm going to use your phrase again. Will, will, as a saying, do big things. You know, it's like, if we're not taking time every single year to do something that fucking terrifies us, then what's the point of living? We need to do Mm -hmm. things outside of our comfort zone. And if we don't do that, we will never grow. For
0: sure. Yeah, that resiliency is uh, is something super important, and I think that was one uh, motivation behind this podcast for me is because yes, I do struggle, you know, and I've I've struggled with you know internalizing things and being vulnerable, but I've always been, you know, a real rock for a lot of people because they they see that resilience in me, and I kind of like to project that and reflect that because that's that's what brings me peace, you know. I, I get I get pleasure not just pleasure but I get a, a sense of purpose like we were talking about earlier when I know that I've helped out another veteran another friend another co-worker whatever the case may be and that 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 speaks speaks volumes to what you guys are doing and man I just can't I can't say it enough you guys are rolling across the ocean y'all know that <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> funny
4: because I've had I've had at least multiple people I mean obviously being the only one and I push this in every avenue up and down and sideways to try to see what we can do to get this approved and stuff like that. And I'm still working stuff because either way I'm doing this row, they know that I've already made that perfectly clear <laughs> that like, like sometimes you gotta, you gotta put things aside and it might just be the uh, it might just be the active duty retirement. I might have to step away from, but at the same time, if I got a row 50 days straight or 45 days straight, just set a world record set 45 days in a boat with these guys to prove to one person that hey. You need to go out, like he said, like Will said, do big things. Like if if it if it affects one person, and I come back and they're like, "Hey, man, you you stepped away from the military," I'll be like, "You should have seen." We get people that ask us all the time, that that have told me on different podcasts and have told me through messages of like, "Hey, you inspire us." I mean, I know all these guys have heard it. We we had a meet and greet up at Will's uh, hometown in Wisconsin, and people were coming around the bar people I didn't even know. That were like you inspire us, and the funny thing is, is we haven't even hopped in a boat yet, mm-hmm. but we're making we're making making a difference with our mindset and like the big thing with Will when I asked him and when we did a podcast before and they asked him like, hey, why the hell are you doing this? And we're all thinking for logical answers, and Will just comes out with the why not, and I'm like, shit, like my answer was my answer was good.
1: Here's Will saying
4: <laughs> why not. So, exactly. if we got to do this for, we got to do, we got to put ourselves in uncomfortable. I mean, the book I just read references it, Nick's referenced it, Will's referenced it, Tommy's referenced it. It's about being uncomfortable, or being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I would say this tops the uncomfortable things I've ever done in my life. So, <laughs> I've done some pretty out there things, but this is definitely I I would go out on a whim and say for every single one of us on this boat, this is definitely the the trying to get comfortable with something that's extremely uncomfortable.
1: I don't know, dude. I've had a horse last year. That was pretty fucking uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of uncomfortable, one of my best friends in the world. Um, So I'm from, I I live in San Antonio, Texas. I'm stationed out here, Randolph. Uh, I'm from Odessa, Texas. Uh, It's West Texas. I don't know if you've seen Friday Night Lights, but that's me, oil patch town. I'll always be home. My best friend is from there. His, his name is Dayton, and he's gone through a lot. Uh, had had uh, had cancer when we were when we were like middle school, high school, or high school. Uh, slit. He was gonna join the military. Got the waivers for the cancer. He ended up like like falling and slitting his hand open, and so he ended up like defecting his like trigger finger, and then they denied him. He tried for over two years uh, to join the army um didn't work out for him so he's a firefighter now and he's always i've only been at randolph for about six seven months now and he's always been like we're doing the moab we're doing the moab we're doing the moab but i've been overseas and every time it comes up i was like dude i just can't go like i I literally cannot get off and get on a plane and, and go do a moab and granted I'm a pretty decent runner like I can run above average more than most people but I am not in no Moab shape but stuff <laughs> like this I'm telling you like it, it sparks this fire in myself and I'm a like generally a self-motivated person so I couldn't even imagine what it does for people who actually are trying to rise up you know trying to get out of that rut and trying to trying to push through so on that same note I guess I want to I want to ask who is the lead point on this training? I know y'all still have some time, but how are y'all physically gearing up for this task?
2: So
1: I, I, uh, I trained jujitsu. Uh, after 2015, I, I got into MMA again. And by 2018, I was ranked number three welterweight in Minnesota. So again, it's the whole follow your dreams kind of thing. And so I continue to train jujitsu and stay in shape that way. Uh, I train about three days a week. Um, and I'm a carpenter too, so I'm constantly moving. I never stop moving. Um, on top of that, my coach has a row machine too. So I try to row at least two hours a day if I can. Um, Chad has really been killing it. Yeah, I
4: kind of, uh, I kind of went all out cause I, my whole purpose when I started this team was to get all this workout stuff at the house, motivate these guys. And to be honest with you, every single one of these guys, every time they reach out to me is more motivating than, me i'll call will to motivate him to will be like hey man i haven't talked to you in a while How like let's let's motivate will and i got the phone with will and i'm like god damn and you got me again <laughs> like i called i call tommy he's like man you checking up on me dude you don't need to i'll talk to you in like a day or so throwing motivation right back at me like i said so i'll shoot out something to these guys and be like yeah i just try i'm on a new supplement stack i'm hitting i'm hitting the weights pretty hard um i do rowing i got a, a nice concept two rower i've been rowing with I'll reach out to Tommy. Tommy will sit there and be like, oh, what are you rowing at? And I'm like, oh, this many strokes per minute. He's like, oh, I've been way past that. And I'm like, oh, shit. I <laughs> to step up my game. Best advice they ever gave us was from one of the former rowers and one of the founders when he sent out a message to all of us saying, pretty much said, fuck cardio. Get big for rowing. You need upper body strength. 15 years in the military, no one's ever told me not to run, not to worry about cardio. <laughs> That was the best advice I've ever gotten and I have not run as much as I should have. So, but yeah, I've been hitting a, a lot of the weights. and
2: One of the big things is the average guy loses 20% of their body weight during the race. Exactly. Oh, so, like 20%. I'm 210 right now. Right. So I'm going to lose 40. Like me at 165, 170, that's not a good weight for me. So like we're all going to have to try to bulk up, you know, and so we can afford that 20%. We get on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mathed that way. out for myself. <laughs> that's So good.
1: <laughs> that, you yeah, yeah, so can see Tommy done. over here worried a little fun.
3: bit. Yeah. yeah that, that's <laughs> just, no, like, Tommy doesn't uh, have as much I'm putting, to give. I'm putting weight on right now, but I have a long way to go thanks to those numbers. Holy <laughs> smokes.
4: Yeah.
0: All right, and lastly about the whole, the whole boat concept, I just want to know, um, I have an idea, but as far as like logistically food. So, how does that work for the people out there? It's a, Real- uh, we're, we're going to pack uh, pretty
4: much it's you, the way they plan it out, it's like an MRE meal, the little bag meals. Um, they say to bring two thirds of your supply to be meals, one third to be snacks um, of your little snack packs. However, we've talked to previous rowers and stuff like that, and they said, you know, one third a meal because you're going to have to heat these things up. If you don't need it all, you got to reheat it and all your prep work on the boat while we're out there is going to have to be during our off time. When you're rowing, you're in, you're rowing. So you're talking, Tommy's fixing the water maker. I'm rowing. He's got to work extra long. I'm rowing or Nick or Will's rowing or Nick's rowing. So you have only those two hour windows and that includes your sleep. That includes fixing things that includes cooking meals. So when it comes to the meal portions, we're going to have roughly 50 to 60 days worth of MRE style packs that we're going to have to pack because once we leave, we're hundred percent self-sustained. We cannot, we'll see, there'll be two support boats. We will see them. What Well, maybe once, twice, if that, and they could be days away. So everything that we take with us on that boat has to come back with us on that boat. So it is going to be meals are all going to be old school MRE stuff.
0: Lots of peanut butter,
3: <laughs> lots, lots of, of peanut, peanut butter. butter.
4: We'll be out there, uh, it.
0: spend Christmas day together and everything. So, oh, that's a wonderful ass Christmas. If you ask me, yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> <The> hydrated ham. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love to hear it. Well, <coughs> guys kind of want to, uh, get to the end here. Um, because you guys have been great. And I think what you guys are doing from my perspective, again, I, I I'm going to just repeat it. Why? Because I don't care. And this is my podcast. You guys are rowing across the ocean, right? For mental health, veteran mental health awareness, right? Warriors like no other. Fight or die is a movement, right? So I guess for the closing remarks, if you guys want to say anything, I know it's a lot of information. So all, all that you guys got going on, which those nonprofits, where they can find you, et cetera, et cetera. Please, if y'all want to start, I guess we can start with Will and then go down, Tommy, Chad, and Nick. Tell the people.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess. Find us on, well, you can follow fight or die at Uh You can go on there. You can follow the team. Uh, they got a Facebook page. Um, I think Chad's working on a TikTok page. We do have a TikTok page. Oh, wow. just at fight or die. I don't the TikTok thing. So, Chad, tell them about TikTok. So, <laughs> yeah, that, the only thing I even
4: put on there is I actually, we got as a joke, me and the wife, she was watching yeah. just dumb videos on there. And I started getting video footage sent from some of the 2019-2018 team. a um, Bunch of stuff from from our trips and stuff like that. And us meeting up and old school pictures of us in the military. So a lot of our stuff is it's at Fight or Die is our TikTok name. And we that's all I do. I put videos of rowing stuff on there. People shoot us stuff all the time. Um, within a matter of the first month, we had over 20. I think it was like 1,800 people following us following the journey of the row, a lot of other vets. That's where I met the guy I did the podcast with last time, uh, Dylan Sessler, hell of a guy. And, uh, but yeah, if uh, we'll be posting a lot of stuff as it comes closer with our training. We're going to break down some video clips and throw them up there. Obviously, it's only like one minute clip.
2: As far as the actual race, there's an app called YB Races, and you go on there and we have a GPS tracker on our boat and it updates every four hours. So you'll be able to track us and all the other boats across the ocean.
4: Just be careful. That's addicting. When they went this last year, me and the entire team, and probably the guys going off this year on the 21 team, you stare at your phone all day, and you check to see where everyone's at. You're, and then come the day they arrive, and they say that they're arriving in like three hours, you're on Facebook watching them live arrive. So the YB tracker is unbelievable. But it tells wind conditions. It tells where we're at. It tells how we've tracked based on hours. So, yeah. It shows you know the, that t- the, wave, the wave height, too, yeah. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I was
0: going to say before um, uh, Nick Nick goes, I was going to say, you know what that does, right? You said it's addicting. Think about, uh, go back real quick to what Will said. Or oh, what am I going to do next, right? Think about this. It's addicting because you are tracking it. Guess what you're setting up? You're setting up that next set of four that's going to say, guess what, guys? We're rowing across the damn ocean and nothing is going to stop us from getting this done. That's exactly what I hear when I, when you say those words.
2: I like it. It's that spark, man.
0: It's yeah, that spark. Sure. And that's all you need. Nick, what you got going on? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, you, can, you can check out uh, Warriors Next Adventure at uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We have a podcast on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, everything's Warriors Next Adventure. Easy to find us. Um, again, go check out fight or dies, Facebook page, their Instagram as well. Um, if people are always asking, like, how can I help? How can I help share content? The best thing you can do is share some content. So if you see a post on fight or dies, Instagram, repost it. If you see something on Facebook, repost it, you know, just share things, invite people, talk about it. Um, but most importantly, talk about your mental health. That's the main reason why all of us are doing this fight or die. I don't know if we talked about this, but fight or die actually does scholarships every year for people graduating from Denver U, mm-hmm. um, that want to help veterans with, uh, with mental health. And you don't have to be a veteran to get this scholarship. So it's like $2,000 and West her actually added another scholarship this year. Um, so it, it's, it's amazing what fighter is doing. These guys, these guys have an organization that I 100% can get behind. Obviously we're rowing their boat across the ocean. Um, so we, I have a lot of different organizations that I partner up with and fight or die seemed like a no brainer right when I talked to Brian, uh, because of not only the ocean rowing, but the scholarships for mental health for veterans, that's, that's yeah. my mission is to help veterans any way possible. And if we can do it by rowing across the ocean, shit, that's it. That's it. That's the next
2: mission.
4: Yeah. They also, as the beginning of the year, they started up a thing. It's on the fight or die Facebook page, uh, the usvetrow.org um, there's a mental health first aid course that Fighter die offers. And as part of the, uh, one of the rowing teams, we all have to go through it. I've been through the program. It's a great course teaches you about dealing with people in crisis, um, knowing when to step in, when to step out. And, uh, there's a big section in the back that, um, for all of us that, I mean, for us that we deal with each other, it's the self-care portion of if you're going to help people, it is taxing, to make sure you're doing the self-care, but, Usually with mental health first aid courses, you got to pay for these courses. It's a three-year national certification. And that's part of our fundraising is that it pays for people to go through that course. doesn't have to be military. Um, it could be civilian. Just anyone who wants to be involved in becoming a mental health first aid. Um, a mental health first aider, they can actually take this course for free. Um, it's all on the website and everything like that. So I would definitely highly recommend people to check that out and be a part of it. Because it gives you a lot of good tools of helping people. So,
3: Tommy. Awesome. What is left? Holy smokes. (laughs) Um,
4: Do big things, Tommy.
3: (laughs) That's what we're here to do. We're here to represent Fight or Die in one of the most extreme, crazy challenges that is out there. They say the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge is the toughest row on the planet. And the four of us are gonna go take this on and we're gonna do it and we're gonna turn heads. Hopefully we get a lot more attention than any of us can ever fathom. Because the more people that know about this mission that we're on to raise awareness for a plaguing problem amongst our brothers and sisters, the better off the world is going to be after that. So I am so grateful to fight or die. I am ready to do this and put fear aside and shit in a bucket in front of these guys for 45 (laughs) days. That's That's going to be some of
4: the best best starry nights we've ever seen (laughs) to be rowing next to dolphins and whales. And it's going to be unbelievable. (laughs) And to share it with you guys is after 12 years of knowing all you guys and running (laughs) guns with Tommy and Nick and, you know, working with Will, it's, it's almost surreal that we're all getting back in a boat. Like the first time that Will and Tommy met was, it didn't even seem like they just met, Yeah. They just met three <laughs> weeks ago and they acted like, like you couldn't even tell that they didn't know each other. So sure. it's going to be, it's an experience.
1: One thing I don't think that, that, that we said in, in all this too, is that the, the craziness of this is more people have been to outer space than have done this race.
3: Yeah. More people have climbed Mount Everest than have done this race. One hundred and eight American males <laughs> have rowed a boat across the Atlantic Ocean. So and we're sure going to do it as the year, first. ever a few more this Air year Force doing team. it.
1: Yep. Yep. yeah, for sure. Hey, four cops in a boat. What's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> and just so everybody
0: knows, right. I just said it like 50,000 times, but I'm gonna say 50,001. They're rowing across the Atlantic ocean. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I can't (laughs) even put that into words, like how ridiculous that is, but it's also so encouraging. You're helping people so much around all aspects of life. You have no idea. I appreciate you guys for doing all this stuff and helping me and motivating me. I'm gonna provide all the links, you know, to to every foundation below. We're definitely gonna keep keep this uh, energy up. I just want to thank you guys again, and man, the ocean. Now, now I know, like I keep repeating that, but you guys rock, y'all kick ass. I want y'all to keep kicking ass, and uh, we can't wait to see y'all 2022 going into the new year on the other side of the Atlantic. Oh yeah, man.
1: Thanks for right. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, thanks it's been it. a pleasure, guys. Remember, fight or die is the movement. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Be sure to check these guys out. Remember, I'll have all the links below. Y'all take care, everybody.